Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 2 and verses 1 to 5. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his way so that we may walk in his path. The Lord will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So today is Remembrance Sunday, the day where we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for their country, lest we forget. And so we remember those who died in World War I and World War II and all subsequent wars. We remember the brave who gave their lives so we could simply live ours. But we also remember the devastating cost of war. Firstly, the huge death toll. In World War I, they they estimate about 10 million military personnel lost their lives. And they estimate about 7 million civilians died. And about 20 million people, both uh, military and civilians, were wounded and injured. World War II just gets worse. They estimate about 75 million people died, of which 40 million were civilians. There were more civilian casualties than military personnel. This makes uh, the Second World War the most deadly in history in terms of the death toll. They estimate about 3% of the world's population died. And many others were wounded and injured. And as time goes on, increasingly we discover that more and more civilians are killed compared to military deaths. In the wars of the 1990s, civilian deaths constituted between 75 and 90 percent of all war deaths. Many of these civilians being women and children. And so we're reminded of the devastating cost of war. And so we remember, lest we forget. But it's not just the death toll. War also leads to many people being displaced from their homes and becoming refugees. In World War II, 40 million non-Germans in Europe were displaced. And 13 million Germans living in Eastern Europe were displaced. In 2001, 40 million people were displaced, of which 20 million were children. 
And today, many people are still being displaced because of wars, wars which we've been involved in either directly or indirectly by supplying arms. And the consequence, refugees have a very high mortality rate due to, primarily due to malnutrition and, and infectious diseases. Many children are forced into prostitution, of which a large percentage end up contracting AIDS. Children born to mothers who were either raped or forced into prostitution become outcasts. This is all part of the devastating cost of war. And so we remember, lest we forget. But there's also a huge psychological cost. Most soldiers and veterans, when returning from the battlefield, suffer from depression and post-traumatic stress disorder as they try to come to terms with what they've experienced and try to readjust back into normal life. In 2010, it was claimed that more American soldiers died from suicide than being killed in battle. The huge psychological cost of war. And so we remember, lest we forget. But we're also reminded of the futility of war. In August 1914, just immediately after the outbreak of World War I, H.G. Wells, a British author and social commentator, published the book, The War That Will End War. This became the catchphrase during the time for describing World War I. It was the war that would end all wars. But far from ending all wars, it actually led and laid, led to the most devastating war of all, the Second World War. And there's still many, many wars going on today. And so we're reminded of the futility of war. War can never bring lasting peace. And so we remember, lest we forget. And then lastly, we're reminded of a better way. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 2, he, he has this prophetic vision of the future. When all nations would, would come to Jerusalem... The, the city on the hill. And they would all come to God who is in his temple and, and God would teach them his ways and, and so they could walk in his ways. In other words, so that they could live in God's way. That, that they could live in the way that God created them to live. And then we read in verse 4, it says that he, that's God, God will judge between nations and settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Rather than resorting to war, nations will come to God and allow God to settle their disputes for them. Therefore, they will have no more need for a sword or a spear, and so they will, would beat them into plowshares and, and pruning hooks. And then in verse 5, we are called to walk 
in the light of the Lord. We, we, are, we are called to walk in the light of, of God's way and God's teaching. And God's way and God's teaching is most clearly seen in Jesus and, and Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us and encourages us to resist evil. To, to stand up against evil and injustice. But not to resist evil with evil. But to resist evil in nonviolent ways. To resist evil with love. By turning the other cheek. By forgiving. By loving your enemy. By praying for your enemy. Resisting evil with love. And this is exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus died for us so that we could experience peace, everlasting peace. Jesus resisted evil, but, but not with evil, with love. Jesus was prepared to die, but he was not prepared to kill. He resisted evil with love. He turned the other cheek. He loved his enemy. He swapped his sword for a cross. And when they crucified him, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And he overcame evil with love. So that we could experience peace, lasting peace. And because of what Jesus did for us, Isaiah's prophetic vision is not just a prophetic hope. Because of what Jesus did for us, Isaiah chapter 2 is a promise, a sure and certain promise, one day. Jesus will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. And we will beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will we train for war anymore. And so we meet every year to remember to remember human beings, whether they're British or French or Russian or German, because we simply cannot forget. We meet every year to be reminded never again. We meet every year to give thanks to those who, who gave so much, living in the hope that there will no longer be any war. We meet every year to remember that Jesus offers us a better way. 
and offers us a sure and certain hope of peace, lasting peace. We meet every year to remember, lest we forget. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we remember with, with deep gratitude those who made the supreme sacrifice for us in a time of war. We pray that the, the offering of their lives may not have been in vain. We thank you that because of Jesus we have a sure and certain hope that one day you will bring peace on earth, real peace. And by your grace enable us this day to dedicate ourselves anew to the cause of justice freedom, and peace, and to follow Jesus' example of loving our enemy, and give us the wisdom and the strength to build a better world for the honor and the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.